If you haven't had an opportunity or you didn't get to hear the message last week, I really encourage you to get it. It was called um, Prisoners of Hope. And, um, and it was just a lot of fun uh, to hear what the Holy Spirit was saying about um, being prisoners of hope and hoping in a future. Um, a lot of times the world would discourage us because we haven't seen the things that the Lord has spoken and the things that the Lord have said come to pass. And, um, and so it just really equips us. That message, I believe, gives us some real tools to begin to move things forward. And, and in the spirit of that, uh, the Lord gave me the series called The Seed. And, um, and, and this is where the fast comes in. Um, as, uh, as a pastor, prophet, um, that is over you, that the Lord has, has given us such a wonderful family with so many promises to this house and so many promises that you have individually. I really take it personally that you get to the place that God has for you. And so this is, this series is not, I'm not preaching. This is not a sermon, but this is a teaching. And I want it to go deep and I want it to be something that actually creates movement and momentum in your life. And if you will do what I'm telling you to do, I'm telling you that you will realize the breakthrough that you've been asking for. Because on our end, we're saying, God, I need a breakthrough. And on his end, he said, I already broke through. I've already done it all. It's all been done. It's all been available. I tore the veil. I paid the price. I suffered. My skin was torn for you. And now it's your turn to do what I've commanded you to do. And so I'm just, I'm just, I've, I've got to tell you, my heart is exploding because I can't wait to see the testimonies that are going to come out of this. And so um, we have, um, I'm calling a 21-day corporate fast. Now, the reason that I'm doing that is because um, there is, there's so much power in fasting. And, and when you fast, it's not that you get God to do something, but what you do is you actually get yourself into alignment with what God is already doing. And so I, and when you do it, and when we do it as a family, what we're doing together is we are creating a sound and we are creating movement because when we're in agreement, everything begins to shift uh, uh, in a similar way to when um, Joshua was commanded to go around the walls of Jericho seven times. Well, it wasn't just him out there whistling Dixie, Right. He wasn't out there just like, la, la, la. But there was a corporate expression where they all came together to make a sound to bring the walls down. And so I am calling a Jericho 21-day march where we all begin to lock in our shields together so that we can begin to get these walls down that have been um, um, keeping us from realizing victory. Amen. So the first week, what we're going to be doing is repentance really for um, uh, not being properly aligned to the word of God and, and really um, agreeing with the enemy and the things that he's speaking over our lives. And then the second week is really all about preparation for authority. Um, and then the third week is releasing your words 
um, over storehouse, over your family, over Dallas, and over America. And so the third week, um, um, we're going to really begin to see some, um, some momentum. And um, so the first couple of weeks is just really doing business with the Lord. All right. So um, this is going to be the first installment, the seed. This is going to be the first installment of many. And the, and the point is, um, like, I, like we talked about last week, is, is not just getting us back into a place of hoping for a future and hoping that, that we are going to be the sons of promise and, and that the promises are going to be realized in us, um, but also to get us back into a place of confidence having the confidence and the assured that we are assured of the promise that when you go into worship, like we were just having corporate worship, your mind is on the Lord instantly. Have you ever noticed when uh, the enemy has come in that when you get into worship and you get still, you know, all of the sudden the enemy comes in even in the place of worship and will begin to taunt you and remind you of everything that you're not. But where we're trying to, I'm trying to get you into, and this is a litmus test for you. And this is a key, and it, it, it's a key that will show you where you are in your heart before the Lord. Because when you get into worship, and there's nothing there but you and God, then you know that the cobwebs have been cleared, and you can, and that there, uh, that the, um, uh, that the word of God is alive and active in your life. Okay. So we're going to realign with the truth of all that God has spoken regarding who we are and also regarding what he has promised. Um, there is one thing. If I had to summarize and boil it down, there is one thing that is at the centerpiece of the battle and the centerpiece of all that Jesus did. And it is this. It is the word. It is at the very heart of the, the enemy. The enemy doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about your life. He doesn't care about anything about you. What he cares about is this. The battle is over the word, and this is the battle of the ages. It has always been about the word. Everything is about the word. Hebrews 12.1 says this. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author. Who, what, what does an author do? He writes a word. He writes words. He puts words together to make a sentence that makes a paragraph, that makes a letter, that makes a book. And for you, that word is you. He is the author of your story. He is the author of your life. He is the author of your DNA. He is the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
You see, it says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I love how um, throughout the word of God, he uses legal terms in order to um, describe how we're supposed to live. He said, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Well, what does a witness do? A witness testifies of what? Of what he has seen and heard. And so he testifies of the words. So he testifies. He testifies with his mouth. So there is a great cloud of witnesses that has gone before us that now continues to testify of the truth. And it's the truth over you and your life. It's the truth over this city. It's the truth over this house. And so we are surrounded, and I love uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, and I love, my favorite is the third and the last, which is, um, it's called the king, the return of the king. Because all odds are, are against them. It's like, go home, there's no way, these gremlins or whatever you call these, what are they called? Orcs. Orcs. <laughs> so disgusting. Yeah. I mean, in the noise they make, it's just like, somebody needs a cleanse, okay? <laughs> it's like, Whoa. So anyway, these orgs, they're just ugh, horrible. And, and, you know, so the enemy is coming in like a flood, and it's like, there's no way. But he's got the sword. The king has the sword, right? And he has returned. So he's got the word. And what does he do? He goes in, and he goes into that cave, and he gets all the ghosts, Right? Well, to me, what that is, is a great cloud of witnesses. And man, I felt the Holy Spirit on that. And when I was watching it, I was like, it's a great cloud of witnesses. We are not alone in the battle, but there are words that are like testimonies that are like, we saw your day. We saw your hour. We are cheering you on. So I'm just very excited about that, um, that we're going to kill those orgs. All right. So org word. All right, so turn in your Bibles to John 1. John 1, 1. John 1, 1. He won, 1. Um, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So I want to, I wanna, um, on verse 3, let's reread that. All things were made through the word, and without the word nothing was made that was made. Now go down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So full of two things, full of grace that, and truth, okay? The, the grace that we can live in the truth. The grace so that we can live in the truth. Okay? Um, now, Every parable, um, all throughout the Bible, and I love this, all throughout the Bible, when he talks about um, the word, he explains to us that, that the word is the seed. The seed is the word. 
Every, t every yeah, in the parable of the sower of the seeds, what is the seed? The seed is the word. And so we know that because the Bible is interpreting itself. And I love all of the parables because Jesus talks in farming terms. And I love that I married a farmer. Of course, I've only seen about two tomatoes in my whole life, but I know, baby, one day you're going to plant a garden. <laughs> it was a good tomato. Uh, but he talks in terms of farming because of the seed, because he wants to keep the remembrance of the seed before us. And so he knew that this word would be established and it would be established all throughout history and that we would read it and reread it. And he wanted us to understand the principles of farming. So turning your Bible to Genesis 1. I'm just going to lay some foundations. A lot of you probably already know a lot of this, but just for the sake of um, the basics. It's always good to review the basics, isn't it? Yeah. All right, so Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. Um, okay, let's go down to Genesis 1.3. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, um, go to Genesis 1.11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its own kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and so it was. Um, so he's... He's establishing something. So when God created the earth, what he did, he was like the ultimate programmer. Like he was saying, okay, there's going to be this enormous system that I'm going to speak into existence. And everything I say will determine how the system works. And for all of eternity, the system will continue to work the same way. And you can't go against the system. And even the New Agers and other people of other religions have tapped into elements of the system and found that that actually works. But a lot of the time, the church is like the last one to get the clue. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait, you know, I was supposed to be doing that. I just thought I was supposed to be going to church on Sunday, you know, hearing a message and then bam, that made me a Christian. I'm like, uh, no, I don't think so. Um, so what he, what he does is he uses farming and he talks about the seed because within the seed, there's actually a code. Did you know that? There's a code within the seed and the, so that the seed will then reproduce itself. It will reproduce itself in the exact same code that it was established in. And it goes for us as well. We were created with a seed and that seed was DNA. So there is a seed. You were created with a seed that, you know, okay, I won't get into, um, you know. Um, <laughs> but 
You, there was a seed that had a code. So you were created with that code and it was for your physical body. And, and, but it was also for your personality. And so nothing that you are can come, a, can corrode the seed because the seed said blue eyes, you had blue eyes. The seed said you're an extrovert, you're an extrovert. The seed said you have brown hair and that you're tall. So therefore you become what the seed has determined that you are. You get where I'm going? So if God spoke the world into existence with four words, let there be light, then what he's saying is that like a computer system, there is the code that every word that comes into it has to follow the language of the code in order to get where it's going. Isn't that right, computer people? So what happens now, you've got, You've got these people that introduce these programmers that come in and they introduce viruses into the system to corrupt the code. They bring in language or words that, that cause the word of the code to diminish. Therefore, the system quits working and it shuts down. It's called malware. And it's probably an org that's doing it. <laughs> I'm just saying. So the principle of the seed is that we have to stay within the code that the Lord wrote for your life. And we cannot allow, because a lot of times um, it will be us that will create the malware within our own system. And we will actually cause the system, the computer system of our life to stop or sometimes to go backwards. Somebody's like, I'm going back around that mountain. And I was like, mm-hmm, I have a feeling I know why. <laughs> Chris Valentin said this, success doesn't lie so much in what I produce, but rather it lies in what I reproduce. Here's what you do. You reproduce the seed that was sown by the word of God. And when you depart from that is when you get into trouble. So let's read um, in Genesis 3.15, okay? Let me see. Hold on a minute. Um. Hold on. Let's start. Now, let's start in Genesis 3, 1. Um, now, that old stinking serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. All right. Stop there. Isn't it interesting that the serpent, he didn't call him a snake. He called him a serpent. And he said he was more cunning than any other beast of the field. What does that tell us about him? That he was one of the beasts of the field. That's crazy. I was actually thinking this morning, I wonder if he was like a dragon, you know, or something that looked like that. Um, and I, I looked this up this morning and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, the serpent actually means to hiss. A serpent so called because of his hip hissing. So that's why he was called the serpent. That's what serpent means. And the root word or the etymology of the serpent is hissing or whispering of soothsayers to practice divination. 
Isn't that incredible? So his job description is that uh, is we can call him a malware producer. So he, his job description was to bring malware into the system in order to corrupt or co corrode the word or the seed. Because he said this, has God indeed said? So he brought a question into the word of God. He was saying, let's just talk about what God really said. And so he took what was truth and he twisted it just a little so that she would receive it. Now, if he had come in and, and just blatantly said, hey, I want you to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Come on, you, you need to eat of that tree. No, but he said, wait a minute, let's just talk about the word that was given to you for your life, Eve, and let's just see if, if, there's, if, if, if that's really true for you. And so there was, a, there was this soothsaying or this divination, and what divination does is it brings confusion on the word that God spoke. So all of the sudden, you're not resolute in what God said, but you start to pull back and to question, is that really true for my life? And so Eve goes ahead and she, we all know the story. Um, but I, I want to, um, let's go to uh, verse 15, because I want to talk about the curse that God spoke to this serpent. He said, listen, uh, you are going to uh, crawl on your belly. That's unfortunate. Um, and then he goes on in verse 15 and he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so he's saying, I'm going to put enmity. I'm going to put strife between your word and the word. And there's going to be a conflict between these two words for all of eternity. But the word will strike your head and his word will bruise Jesus's heel. The battle of the ages is over the word. You see, God began in a garden and he's referred to as the vine dresser or the gardener. When Jesus presented himself to Mary after the resurrection, the first person, Mary was the first person who saw him in the flesh. And she said, I thought you were a gardener. I thought he was a, the gardener. Why would she say that? Because he presented himself, not as the carpenter, but he presented himself as the gardener of the seed. Because he tore the veil so that we could hear and see again that the words of heaven could come back down through a people 
that when be, would be a witness of this word and would testify before the earth that God has said. Therefore, we again would take dominion through those words. You see, when Adam was in the garden and he was given dominion, he did not subjugate all of the earth through power. He subjugated them through words. He was naming and calling things that were not as though they were. He began to establish and build up through the word of God. He even named his wife what she would then do. You are Eve. You will be the mother of all creation. And Eve, meaning life, you will produce life out of, out of your body. Without the word, nothing can be established. See, the word reproduces after itself. He is the originator of the seed. He is the one that cultivates the soil. He plants the seed. He waters the seed and he prunes the branches. He's saying, I am faithful to plant the seed and then I am faithful to grow the seed. All I need is a little cooperation. And don't let any orgs in your garden. The word reproduces after itself. And a great example of this is when he had, he, had, he had moved heaven and earth to bring the people of God out of Egypt. And he said, listen, I'm part in the Red Sea. I did all of the miracles in Egypt. You got all of the silver and the gold. The whole thing is miraculous. You're in the desert now, but you're not in the desert for long. And I'm going to bring you into the promised land. So... But uh, you got to take those 12 and send them in there because I'm testing your heart to see where it is. I'll know where your heart is by what your mouth says. And so he said he sent them out in there and they come back with these massive fruit. They were like, it's true. It's true. It is plentiful. It is milk and honey all the way. But there's orgs in the land. There's giants in the land. How are we going to, we can't do this. We can't do this. We can't, how are we going to prosper? How are we going to live? How are we going to do all of this? And so what they were doing is they were with their, their naked eye. They were looking at everything that God wasn't doing. And they were saying, oh, but look at this. It's too big for us. It's too great for us. It's too, it's generational. You know, it's, it's insurmountable. It's taken us over. I'll never be able to. I'll, the nevers and the always, when that enters into your language, I just want to tell you, don't stop talking. Just stop talking right there. <laughs> Unless it's always, God will always provide or God yeah. never disappoints. Yeah. Amen. Come on. All right. So they sent out, um, they're like, there is an abundance promise, but, but also the giant. So out of the 12 spies, you have the 10 that says we cannot go. And then you have the two that says we can go. What happened is that because of the principle of the seed reproducing itself, what happened? Everything they spoke happened. 
So the 10 that said no died in the desert. And the two that said yes went into the promised land. I can and I can't. Now, the good news is that the two did go into the promised land. Of course, they were probably, you know, carrying them over. What were they, like over 120? You know, it's just like, dang, you're old. Um, but you've got an 80-20 split here. So if this is any indication, I mean, and they just saw the greatest miracles of all time. I mean, heaven and earth were moving on their behalf. So if you've got an 80-20 split there, you know, we, we may have more than 80 of those that are saying, oh, well, I don't think this is going to happen. So what he was doing is he was looking at their heart. He was saying, if this is what you're saying, I can't have that heart condition in my promised land. Because when I come back, will I find what in the earth? Well, I find faith in the earth. That means that you believed and there was evidence of your belief because your mouth was speaking the truth of what your heart was believing. So Hebrews says that God frames our lives with the word. I want you to put up the last slide for me. Hebrews says that God frames our life with the word. I'm going to read that to you. Hold on. Let me find it. Okay, this is mine. This is me. This is my life right there in that little square. Everything that the Lord has ever promised to me, every word that he's ever spoken to me, that's that's who I am. That's that's the code of my life. That's my computer program. That's my DNA. That is set before me so that I never forget who I am. Because the enemy comes in and he's going to tell me everything that's opposite that. So Hebrews says this in in chapter 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were created or, or that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made of the things which are visible. I'm sorry, let me read. Uh, read that because I read it wrong. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. Let me tell you what, if everything in your life looks like it's impossible, let me just reassure you that you are on the right path. Okay. Because God is not in the, in the business of, of doing supernatural things in a natural way. So if you find yourself where the enemy has come in and he's got you hemmed in on every side, all you have to do is this. And you begin to push back. You get that sword of the spirit out and you begin to wield it at the enemy, and I'm telling you, his voice will come down because the word of God speaks a better word than the word of the enemy. Remember, he said, I'm going to bring enmity between uh, your seed or his seed and, and the enemy's seed. But, but his seed that had a capital S actually is going to, you're going to hit the head of the enemy, which is here. It's in your mind. Remember, the mind is enmity to God. 
And so we, this is the place that when you begin to speak out of your mouth, the promises of God, it will bring the enemy down so that the spirit of God will rise up. Now, I tell you this, beloved, because I'm not looking for a bunch of overchurched family members, but I am intent on raising up an army that will take a city and not be taken under by the words of the enemy. Okay? The, the world transformed with 12 God is not looking for the masses. He's looking for the few that will begin to understand what authority looks like and then begin to take the sword of the spirit and begin to establish themselves in the word of God and not let the word of that stinking org speak to us. Amen. So we are fasting and praying to reboot your system. And to get the malware out of your life so that the words of your life can be established and begin to work again. And I am going to preach or teach on on the seed. And my heart is to really begin to root this into the program of your life. So that you will get in that groove with God and then nothing will take you out of it. And what you'll see will begin to happen is you'll actually begin to see the breakthrough that you've been asking the Lord for. But the breakthrough has come through you because God has already spoken the word. Okay. Psalm 147 says, uh, verse 15 says, he sends out his command to the earth. His word runs very swiftly. And so let me pray. Well, Father, I do. I just thank you, God, for the seed that has already been sown, that every life has your words written within it on their DNA, that you have already programmed and established them. And the promises of God over them are yes and amen. And right now I just bind up those words of the enemy who has come in to steal, kill, and destroy the seed. Because you are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy of our words. You are worthy of victory. And we are going to win and not be run asunder. We are going to win and be victorious because you are worthy of these words. And we are going to say and establish and be established in the earth for the fullness of God's promises in our life. And I bless you, God, for everything that you did through your son. That, Father, you gave us a living word. You gave us the word that was made flesh. And that word went within us that now we have the living word in us and we have now been made new creations combined and intermingled with the blood of Christ Father, and that we will be established. And everyone in the house said, Amen. Amen. All right. Come on. Yeah. So we're going to start this on the 19th, which is Friday. It's 21 days. I'm not going to tell you what to fast or how to fast. There are things that John and I are doing um, in our family that the Lord has told us. I would, I would encourage you to pray about it. But the thing about a fast is that a fast is a sacrifice. It's not like, oh, I think I'll fast r- jogging. 
best shopping at this one particular shop. You know, you get the meaning. So, so it's got to have to come with a cost. I love fasting food. Um, that's my favorite. And um, so I just encourage you to pray about it. Daniel fast is a great safe fast. Um, sometimes we'll fast just uh, and, and just have one meal a day. Um, so just whatever the Lord is telling you. Coffee, you could fast that, but then nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> That's that sleepy pastor. Anyway, all right. So, um, well, Father, I do. I just thank you um, for your word. Um, Father, I pray. Uh, oh, I pray that everyone today um, would be strengthened in their inner man. That our minds would be renewed. And um, they would be bound to the mind of Christ. That our hearts would come alive in love. And that this week would be so incredibly prosperous, God. I pray that we would meditate on your word today and throughout the week. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us individually and tell us what you want us to do regarding this fast. And so we bless you, Lord. And we just pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Oh, um, if you need prayer, the prayer team, come on up. If you need prayer, if you need healing in your body, don't go home sick. I don't care even if it's...